We uh, just a couple of announcements to make this morning. Reminder that we have our uh, community group that meets on Tuesday night at six o'clock. We meet here at the church, and then the women's group meets at ten thirty, also here at the church. So uh, that's on Thursdays, so ten a.m. And uh, just uh, the we have this uh, on March fifth. Uh, we have the Imprisoned for Christ virtual event, and uh, we have that showing here as a group if you want to come here. Uh, so I'll just read it the way it is on the, the flyer here. We, ha- we are hosting a virtual event by Voice of the Martyrs on March 5th that includes an evening of speakers sharing their personal experiences being imprisoned for their faith. Times of worship and panel discussion are included in that evening. And if you are unable to attend with us, contact an elder and we'll get you a link that will allow you to watch it from your home. Did I have a question there? Oh, okay. That is this Friday, yes. And uh, uh, Pedro Jasek is, uh, is one of the speakers. He was prisoned in Sudan uh, Andrew Brunson was imprisoned in Turkey, and Dan Bauman, who was uh, imprisoned in Iran, are going to be the key uh, testimonies. So it should be very interesting, and uh, you're invited to participate here. And like we said, if you if you can't get here to watch it, uh, get a hold of us. We'll get you a, a link uh, to watch it at home. Uh, we've got a new Wi-Fi system. And so if you're plugging in from the old uh, Wi-Fi numbers, you're, it's not working. And around the corner on the wall right behind this speaker right here on the other side on the wall, there is a, a setup that gives you the password. It's rather lengthy, but until we get it, we just got it in and we'll try to get set up with uh, the new passwords and stuff as soon as we can. But in the meantime, you'll have to use that. And so take a look at that and it'll get you up. And then the only other thing is a reminder that we have uh, daily breads. Uh, today, today's the last day for the old one, and we start with the new one tomorrow. So if you haven't got this yet, uh, there's some on the table, some on the table over here behind this door over here as well. And uh, if you feel like, if you know somebody, a neighbor or somebody that would like to have one, uh, or you think might need one or use one, uh, don't hesitate to take an extra couple of copies if you if you. Pass them on. That would be great. Uh, prayer needs this morning. Again, we continue to pray for healing for our nation. Um, and then guidance for us as believers, both in our community and as the church as a whole, uh, to be able to uh, be an example for Christ, to take advantage of whatever opportunities God might put before us through this uh, pandemic as it continues, as well as other issues. And uh, that we'd be a witness and a testimony in our community for Christ. In our prayer needs, also uh, personal needs, um, Diane Van uh, has been in and out of the hospital. She went in again in the middle of the night last night. Uh, she's uh, fallen and has a uh, mild brain concussion. And uh, she has issues and and so she now because she gets up she's a little bit dizzy and and so she fell again last night so uh, keep her in prayer she's i don't know if she's still in the hospital or whether she's uh, home this morning or not 
but uh, I hadn't heard yet, but uh, keep her in prayer. Uh, Jackie was thrilled to share a praise report. Her son, uh, Garrett, Gary, uh, who uh, had the tumor with, uh, t- connected with his eyes and stuff, they did the treatments, he did the surgeries, he's gone been south, he just got back from uh, this week from the checkups, the tumor's gone, he's got 20-20 vision. And the doctor says, this is just amazing. And uh, Jackie says, I'm giving the Lord the credit for this one. So, uh, just uh, good news there. And then uh, uh, Erica is at home today. Uh, uh, she's got a temperature. And so, or Heather. Oh, Heather has the, the temperature. Okay. And so, uh, keep keep them in prayer that that's all that it is is something minor or not insignificant because for the time being, they're going to do the the quarantine until they know for sure what's going on with her. So uh, keep keep her in prayer, and them in prayer, the Petersons. Other prayer needs that we possibly missed this week? Okay, yes. That is... Uh, uh, an ongoing prayer request for for Garrett to to come to know the Lord. He knows all the ins and outs. He's been Sunday schooled and churched and a lot of other things, but uh, just that he would recognize that God has done him, uh, has touched him in a special way. So uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Uh, we come to praise you. We stand uh, just uh, amazed, Lord, that that all that you have done for us, continue to do for us, and we even look ahead to all that is yet to come our way because of your grace, your mercy, and your love. You tell us very explicitly, bring our needs to you, to cry out with the confidence for your mercy and your grace, and we do just that in these prayer needs for our nation. Lord, for the pandemic, not only locally in, in, in our nation, but uh, globally as well. Uh, all of these new uh, uh, variations, uh, mutations of this virus, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, break the cycle of, of the spread of this uh, virus and, and, and uh, Bring it to its knees in the sense of victory, Lord, and just uh, we, ask, we put it in your hands and ask for your miracles, Lord. We ask, Lord, for your healing for those who have, have, have contracted uh, the, the virus, Lord. Uh, we ask that you be with the Petersons, that it not be the virus, and uh, that you would uh, be with them and, and bring healing to Heather as well. And Lord, for... For Gary, we just uh, we bring him to you and ask, Lord, that you would cause him to realize that even that you have used the doctor and 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 touched him uh, in a very special way to give him back his eyesight and and uh, for him to walk away with no uh, uh, permanent uh, damage or or difficulties. And so we ask, Lord, that he would come to understand that that you are walking with him. That he is a, his success in that sense is the result of, of of the prayers of the saints going up for him and your grace and your mercy. We ask for his salvation, Lord. 
And as we, we think of that, we think of all of our family members and friends that we know that need to know You. And we ask, Lord, that You would cause us to be faithful in our prayers and we ask for your, the moving of Your Holy Spirit in our nation and in, in our lives, in our families, in our communities, Lord. We pray for an outpouring of Your Holy Spirit in the church, revival, and in the nation, awakening, even, even a global awakening. Another great awakening, Lord. And this morning, as we open Your Word, we ask that You would cause our, our hearts and our minds to be opened through Your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're continuing in the book of Deuteronomy. This is uh, our second sermon in that as we're reading through the Bible. And... Uh, the first sermon was that we did it was in chapter six, uh, ver, you know, verses four through nine primarily, uh, and the, the Shema uh, for the Hebrew prayer: uh, Love the Lord your God. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And it goes on to you know teach your children this type of uh, and, and 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 have it with you the word uh, before you all the time. And uh, as we look at Deuteronomy, I, I think I need to do just a, a, a general statement first about it. Uh, you know, Deuteronomy is the, the, the fifth book of the Pentateuch. Pentateuch, five books uh, for the Bible. It's uh, also the Jewish Torah uh, and the first five books. And so Deuteronomy is the, the last of the, the five books of the law, the last of the, the books of Moses, sometimes referred to it that way. And uh, Moses is speaking almost continuously through this, this whole uh, book. And what he's doing is he's giving a brief history, if you will, uh, to a new generation what has happened? Think about all that's happened. If you, you know, in our reading so far, you know, we've gone through uh, the Genesis, but then getting into Numbers and Leviticus and 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 all we we had uh, uh, the Book of Numbers, the, the idea of uh, after the Exodus, uh, the meeting at Mount Sinai, and there and then going from there to go into Israel. And you, what happened to, when they were to go into the Promised Land? They sent their spies. The spies came back. Ten of them said, oh, there's giants in the land. There's no way. There's fortified cities, huge walls. There's no way we can win. And they refused to go in. God said, okay, this generation will not go in. And for 38 more years, in other words, there are two years at Mount Sinai and then camping outside of the Promised Land, for the next 38 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Forty years total in the wilderness. Uh, for that generation that, that should have gone in, passed away. And so now Deuteronomy, they're in the, what's called the, the, the Valley of Moab, or the Plains of Moab, and they're just outside the Promised Land. And God is speaking to the new generation. And so He's reviewing all of this that has happened going from the Exodus to the laws, repeating the laws, 
you know, clarifying the, the Ten Commandments and, and then all of the laws that, that go with that. And I, if, I'm not suggesting that you go through and count, but you, you've got over 600 laws total. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of information here that, that Moses is repeating and giving back to. And so as you're reading through this, you could find yourself saying, oh, I thought I read this already. Uh, and, and one of the reasons why so many of these areas of Scriptures are not read on a regular basis is because they are repetitive or they're lengthy lineages or this type of thing. But let me share with you something that I recall my professor in, in Bible college sharing. He says, as you go through these lineages, for instance, and it's not the same every time as in, in what God does as they go through these lineages, all of a sudden, you know, it'll be someone, someone was the father of so-and-so, so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and you're saying, oh, it goes on and on. And then all of a sudden, and then you get to a thing where it gives you a, a, one or two verses about one person. And I remember Reuben Ratzliff was my professor. He says, stop. Read it again. Find out those names have meanings, number one. Look up the meanings of those names. The Hebrew names always had meanings. And that will give you some understanding of the time and, and what was going on. And then he says, look and see what refers to what and, and, and how it's intermeshed. And you'll find out that maybe there is a story there that shows how God is moving in someone's life or in a group of people's lives. And he says it, it becomes very fascinating. So look for these opportunities. And so I want to encourage you uh, to, to continue to do that as you go on in the reading. And when it looks like it's repetitive, understand that it's not repetitive exactly the same way. They're not just repeating it word for word. As Moses, going through the law, he's, he's giving some clarity as to how to understand it better. Um, so, uh, after this 40 years, they're out on the, uh, here on the plain of Moab. They're just outside the promised land and Moses is giving them the encouragement through uh, the book of Deuteronomy to, to go in and, and take the promised land that God has, has promised them. So, what he's doing here is he's, you could say it's a renewal of the covenant that, that was made initially with the Hebrew people. And there's some key thoughts that go through this. One is that, the, uh, I, and we couldn't have had a more perfect song worship team, trust and obey. Okay, the the picture here is is that we are to obey Moses over and over and over again says we are to obey these commandments, obey these commandments, and and he tells us and God makes it clear through Moses' teaching that there's a there's blessings if we obey His commandments. And what's hard sometimes to accept because we think God we say God so loves us, and then we read some of the things that happen if we disobey. And you might say, man, the, the wrath of God is something to be, uh, you know, it's intimidating at least and, and, and fearful and frightening in many ways. Well, that's because the cost of sin is fearful and frightening. What's the ultimate cost of sin? Physical death and Spiritual death. And when we talk about spiritual, physical death, we mean the fact that we'll be separated from God for eternity. 
And I'm not one of these people who, who, who teach that hell's a, a place for now and then, and then it's over and, and you know this type of thing. Scripture makes it clear you go into Revelation and the end of Revelation especially, and it makes it clear when God says that the, the judgment is going to last for the people who, who have disobeyed and rejected Christ, it's going to last forever and ever. And so what we're talking about is, is that God has created us to live eternally and we're going to make a choice in this life as to where that we spend that eternity, either with Christ and, or with, not with Christ. And it's going to be terrible. And so, as we see this, we look at this and we say, well, man, I, I, I want to, to be in the blessing line here, you know. Uh, what do I have to do? And, and there's a lot that's talked about in the reference to obeying here in the Old Testament, but we'll get to a little clearer picture of what it's pointing to through Jesus Christ. By the way, Deuteronomy is one of the most quoted books in the Old Testament. It is uh, quoted... Uh, well, the, the only books that are quoted more than Deuteronomy is Psalms and Isaiah. Deuteronomy was a book that was, was taught to the, to the Hebrew people uh, from, from the time they were little children to the time that they, they were adults, uh, and over and over and over again. So it was one of these things. Talk about people who had gone through one particular book over and over and over again. They knew this book. Almost any verse that is quoted in the New Testament would automatically draw a Hebrew listener back to his, for lack of better words, catechism, growing up, if you will, uh, the, the teachings and the things that went on and taught. By the way, as I, as I go through this, I didn't really stress this last week, but there is an imperative in, in the, the, the Shema, the, especially out of of Deuteronomy chapter 6 in reference to where it says, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It is to teach your children. And it says, when you get up, when you go to bed, through the day, and, and, and when you sit down, and, and, and the idea is, is that uh, just as it's to be before you, the teacher, the parent, in a sense, uh, on your doorpost, on your gates, uh, in, in, you know, something that, that, that is with you at all times, the Word of God, you are to teach it that way to your children. We have a responsibility. Deuteronomy points it out very clearly. We have a responsibility as parents to make sure that our children are instructed. We can't save our kids. By the way, you understand that. But we are to put the, the, the resources in front of them that Christ can use to save them. It's our responsibility. I, I, you hear me say it many times. I say we set the table and, and, and put all the things that, that God has given us on that table so that they can devour, eat, and enjoy the things of God uh, and, and, and be exposed to the things of God. And maybe for a while they won't see it. But if you've trained them up as a child... They've got the foundation to look back to and something can happen in their lifetime that all of a sudden they'll bring them back and they'll say, oh, now I get it. We are responsible. So, 
just a side note, you know, I, I didn't get into that in, in great detail, but that's part of the, 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 the picture of Deuteronomy. And the importance, again, they would have, the, the kids learned the book of Deuteronomy over and over and over again. They, they went through it. So, uh, as, again, it's the, like I said, it's the third most quoted uh, book uh, in the, uh, from the Old Testament in the New Testament. And uh, when, you know, when Jesus was tempted, for instance, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, how, how many temptations did, did the devil put before Jesus? You're going to say, is he setting me up? Yep. The, the typical question is, the answer people will do is three. Read Mark's account. He was continuously being tempted for 40 days. Matthew brings out three specific ones that have to do with attacking Jesus in such a way that he was tempted to do things that only God could do. He was tempted to bypass the cross, basically, and, 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 and take his notoriety on now. That's what the three temptations. And by the way, each of those responses where Jesus says, it is written... Each of those responses came out of the book of Deuteronomy. So, check that out. You can do it by, you know, you can, you can hunt through it and, and really study it, or you can just look at the references at the bottom of the page. But, you know, it's, uh, the idea is that it, it, Deuteronomy is, is an essential part of, of the Scripture and, and, and the New Testament as well. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, there's a specific quotation as I was going through this that that, that got my attention, and uh, it's uh, comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21, and it's the last couple of verses. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. Moses is teaching and he says, If a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, it sounds so casual and almost callous the way he puts this, but he's saying as a matter of fact, by the way, he's not saying that this, this person was executed by hanging him on the tree. He was executed most likely by being stoned. Why would they hang him on a tree at this point? What do you think the motivation would be? A warning. Yeah. <laughs> An absolute warning. You want to be careful. This is what, 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 this is what sin leads to. And again, we think it's harsh. And it is. But God wants us to know that the, that the ultimate penalty for sin is even worse. And so he's giving us a very graphic picture. So if, 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 if he, he says, and if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and then you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree. But you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. You don't let the cursed man hang there. 
okay, overnight. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. By the way, do you know where that's played out very clearly for us in the New Testament? Jesus was on the cross and the Pharisees said, we can't have a man hung on a tree all night. We have to do what? Bury him now before we, while we still have the light. God has put all of this together. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Even the smallest little pieces of detail, you start to look at it and you say, whoa, even that is important. Even that. Well, we look at it and and see how important it is uh, because Paul, uh, in his writings, will quote this Scripture specifically in Galatians chapter 3, but it's also quoted in Acts, uh, spoken by Peter and by Paul, and it's also quoted in Peter in his writings. So, uh, let me uh, look at this because this is what happened to me. I got sidetracked. And I found this to be just absolutely uh, very interesting and something I hadn't looked at for a while. Uh, Galatians, let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. And... Uh, It's uh, quickly looking through some of it here, uh, just the first uh, few verses. First, uh, I'll do the first nine verses, just a quick read so that you get the context. Paul's writing, he says, Oh, foolish Christians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What we can see here is that there's a battle going on. There's some people trying to teach the Galatians to go back to you got to keep the law to get saved. Now, don't allow this to be misunderstood. The law is still, the Old Testament law is still the mind and character of God revealed. And we are still to look at it as the resources of what it is to have the character of God in ourselves. So don't miss, it's not that the law is being put down but that the law was never meant to save us. It was always meant to teach us. Paul will get into that in Galatians chapter 4 especially. The, 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 the law was meant to be a tutor or a teacher to show us what? What sin is, what holiness is, what God is, the character of God, and then what sin is, anything that misses the mark, misses the law, and that if you break one law, that's all it takes to be at odds with God. And if you go through the laws, you realize, man, I've, I've, I've done quite a bit of this. So, you know, we realize we're in trouble. Uh, and so, uh, he's saying, you know, the, the, don't, you're not saved by the law, you're saved by faith. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? In other words, keeping the law? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do by works of the law or 
by hearing with faith. In other words, the things that are going on with you, the people that are getting saved, the people that God has touched and healed, all the things that you've seen, even answered prayers. Is that happening because of the law or is it happening because of your faith in Christ? And obviously we know what the answer is, but but he's he's putting it to them, you might say as a rhetorical question, to get them thinking. And then he says in verse 6, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15.6 Abraham was considered a man of faith because he believed God. Not because he earned anything, but because he believed the promises of God. You can think about it. God made these promises with Abraham that he would be a father of, 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 of the Hebrew people and then a father of many nations before there was ever a, a law. Abraham left the city of, of, of Earth at least to, to come to this living tents. He went from a city that had a, a very sophisticated system of, of, of people and laws and worship and, and all this kind of stuff to a land where he was living in tent. Yeah. And, and uh, all the promises that he had given to him were things that would happen in the future. He didn't see it come to fruit fast other than bits and pieces. And so he's a man of faith. And he says, you know, Abraham, this is our example, our foundation. Verse 7, Now then, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are faith, uh, of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And in other words, the inclusion of the Gentiles as well. The Gentiles, and of course this was again, well, you've got to become a Jew before you become a, a, a Christian. You're going to have to get circumcised and you're going to have to go through all of the things that uh, a Hebrew person goes through in order to be a Christian. That's what was being taught. It's called Judaism. Or, you know, and, 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 and it was meant to, to, to get him back into the idea of it's important to, to keep the law. It is important to know and to keep the law, but not to save you, to glorify and bless the Lord. Yes. We sing songs. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. How do we bless Him? We keep His law. Even when it's difficult. We stay honest, this type of thing. And when we fail, God has taken that into account. And that's what this whole passage is going to be about as we get into it. Go to verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written... Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. By the way, that's a quote from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 26. We're to do all the law, and if we miss out on that, we are under the curse. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God, Paul writes again here in verse 11. 
it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written in Deuteronomy chapter 21, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Paul is getting it as clear as he can. You know, there, Jesus took on the curse. And what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the cross. He says Jesus, uh, you know, uh, was cursed for us. And so I put here, curse of the law. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Deuteronomy. And we got, went through the verses. The curse of the law is death, physical, spiritual. Then how do we get redeemed from the curse? Well, the purchase price has to be paid. The word redeemed is the purchase price is paid. How do we get, how do we pay the price? We don't. <laughs> We can't. If we were to say this is the altar, there isn't anything anyone could bring to this altar. Your home, your car, your, your, your resources, your paychecks, in, in full, complete, everything that you have and lay it here wouldn't put a dent in what is owed because of, of sin. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. I was going to say, go for it. <laughs> You know, Jesus took it on Himself. He took our curse and took it on Himself. He took your curse. I, I put it here, He says, He took all of our curses <laughs> you know, and put it on Himself that we could be redeemed. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was done. It was paid in full. He did this at the cross. Paul connects the curse of the law with Christ's death on the cross. And Paul sees the cross as a tree. What I'm trying to say is, is that he's basically calling the cross a tree. If we get into the, the, the book of Acts, uh, we'll see even more of that. In, in, in Acts chapter 5 verse 30, the, it's, it talks about the cross, the curse, and the tree. And, and it's uh, Peter speaking to the Jews. And Paul speaking to the Gentiles in chapter 10, he uses the picture again. And, and uh, speaking, uh, Paul speaking to the Jews and the Gentiles in chapter 13, he uses that same picture. And Peter speaking to the church with, as, the, as, as the believers in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24, that picture is used again. So, what we see in, in Deuteronomy is a foreshadowing. Remember we had the terms that Brad brought up, you know, the types, things that look ahead to but not really clearly seen in the Old Testament are clearly seen in the New Testament, the types. 
or the foreshadowing. And we see it made clear. What the Deuteronomy was foreshadowing was somebody hung on a tree was a foreshadowing of Jesus on the cross. It's important this morning that we get a hold of this. All that God demands of a believer, Christ has already done. Paul had was looking through a very particular window. And somebody would say, well, you know, I'm going to give you quote a verse here in just a minute. I'm going to look at a, a passage here in just a second. Paul wasn't there necessarily. He might have been. It was the Sermon on the Mount. Who knows where he was. But Paul, Jesus talks in verse 17 of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to complete it. To finish it. To make it full. So Paul, as he looks at the Old Testament, he looks at it through this window of Jesus having completed the law. By the way, we're supposed to be looking through the same window. Jesus has finished all of this. What does it mean He's finished it? He took it to the cross. The curse to the cross and paid it all. He paid it in full. It is finished. And I was reading through a a commentary, and I can't even remember which one now, but it it was somebody was talking about benedictions and and at, at, at a funeral message, basically, you know, the idea. But he says, no higher benediction than God count a man righteous. In other words, as a, as, as a pastor, there's no higher benediction that we could give than to turn around and say, I know that this man is with Christ. He's a righteous man. There's no more important benediction. You know, no matter what you want written on your epitaph for your tombstone, that's the most important. If you want to put it down to one word, saved. Somebody walking through the cemetery, Kathy and I did this once. Uh, we weren't Christians yet, but uh, we, we were looking at a, a cemetery that was a very old cemetery. In fact, the town that it, had, that, that it went to was completely gone. And it was, it's called Australia, California. And so we were looking through the cemetery at all the, the markers. And you, sometimes you, you get a lot of writing on some of these markers. And you realize that this person was important to somebody, you know. And, and, and then sometimes it would just say, born, died, you know. But, but uh, the idea was that, that what, what, and it made you think, what's going on your marker? You know, if you were to die today, what's your marker going to say? Born, died, or he was a good guy? Or saved? Everything that is, you know, that, that needs to be done, Christ has done. So how do we get into the, the relationship with that? Well, we need to understand what Paul understood. Christ took it to the cross, said it is finished. Put your faith in that. By the way, as we put our faith in Christ, accept Jesus Christ, confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ and God raised Him from the dead. I don't know how many times I quote Romans chapter 10, but it's, it, it's the, the key to understanding all of this. And, and as we look at it, we, we say, you know, 
I believe. I am saved. And you know that you have that relationship. The Holy Spirit comes in. And we start to see things from a different perspective. Things don't necessarily happen in your life at the same time they happened in my life as far as what God brings to my mind to change. You know, I've, I've had people st- stand outside of church and say, oh, that person smokes. He can't possibly be saved. When I was saved, God delivered me from cigarettes immediately. Well, maybe that person needs to be delivered from something else first. You know, you, you, know, who, you, know, you can't make those kinds of, of, of comparisons. You know, the, the thing is, is that God starts to do a work in you. And it's a work in you, about you. And he starts to change the things that need to be changed. And so, we come to this this reality. What do I rest in? I rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who hung on the tree, who was cursed on my behalf. He took my curse and put it on Him. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Are the words that show us that the curse was there. And the awesome thing is, is that God shows us that Jesus had the power to take away the curse through the resurrection. He came back to show that he had victory over death. The result of sin, the curse, Jesus defeated. Death is at Jesus' mercy. (laughs) He's in charge. He is our Savior. And so I... I said, He paid it in full at the cross. I've been redeemed. And of course, the kid in me immediately came out. You all know the song. I've been redeemed. And the key ones that get sung most, these two verses, I've been redeemed. Somebody echoes, I've been redeemed, but we're not going to get into that this morning. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost, I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. And that's not all. There's more besides. No, that's not all. There's more besides. I've been to the river and I've been baptized. All my sins have washed away. I've been redeemed. Simple little kid's song has it boldly right there for us. If those aren't words that you can sing with confidence, then you need to do something about it. And it's no accident that you're hearing this today. God has perfectly timed it for you to be here. If I'm preaching to the choir, which may well be, It doesn't change the fact that we need to be excited about Jesus Christ taking the curse. And we need to be excited every day. Joy in our life 
every day. Because we are redeemed. We are saved. We are born again. All the words that we can use to describe it. And it's been done through the cross. That's why we celebrate communion every Sunday. To remind us, Jesus hung on the tree, took the curse for you and me. Let's have the worship team come up. And then after that, we will share communion. Our communion is uh, in, we have packets out here on the table. If you haven't gotten one, go. you can go out there and pick one up while we're singing. And uh, share the packet together in a few minutes.
The letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the the first letter he wrote, chapter 11, he speaks about communion. And he teaches them these thoughts. He says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, this is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Father, we thank You that You have provided for us these emblems that remind us of Your amazing love. The amazing grace that You have poured out on us. We ask, Lord, that You would just etch in our hearts and our minds the joy of our salvation in such a way that it's, it, it comes to the forefront frequently through the day. We ask, Lord, that as we think of the emblems and as we share and we take them, I I, I especially focus my thoughts on you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. You are coming again and that is a promise. We rest in faith, that promise, the truth, because we see all that you have done, are doing, we confidently rest in what you say you're going to do. We worship you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close, please?
we trials and temptations. 